not get distracted by looking at my Twitter notifications. Well, um, what a day. Oh, my goodness. My goodness, what are we going for? going for the Nitro Stout first. Yeah, let's go for the Nitro Stout first. Oh, golly. It's one of those, isn't it? How are you, how are you all doing? You well, let's go big face temperature for a while, I say. How are you all doing? You all right? You all well? Oh, my golly. What a day. Uh, I'll show you what I'm... Oh, I can't. I can't get a good head on a beer when I'm concentrating on. Uh, anyway, it's it's very nice. It's a it's a, a midnight merriment by uh, Siren Craft Brewing. Uh, put in front of my head. Looks nice, doesn't it? Anyway, gonna enjoy that stout. Um, hello, hello, everyone. Yeah, uh, yeah. Lots of people saying debrief from Transport Select Committee, please. Uh, yes, yes, yes. We are going to do that. Um, because yes, indeed, I was up in front of the transport select committee this morning. Uh, who watched it? Who 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 was there? At me if you watched it. F's in the chat. Um, uh, how was it? Was it okay? Thoughts? Share your thoughts. From my perspective, um, yeah, I, I felt like it went went all right. Actually, my my highlight. I mean, firstly, shout out to BCRRE for for uh, well, not not actually getting back to my email saying is it okay if I do that because basically the transport i wanted to be unaffiliated the transport select committee um uh oh hello andy bell and everyone at the regents canal at king's cross um the uh transport select committee system doesn't allow an unaffiliated person and i can kind of understand why it's fine um it, it couldn't be my main employer because they it just wouldn't let's face it that, that's just not going to happen um arcadis had already kind of uh arcadis already uh quite rightly wanting to distance themselves because they had a fear there was a bit of a fear you know with my use of hashtag rail betrayal and stuff there's a bit of a fear there that uh uh that they were going to get shouted at by people who can control the millions of pounds of income um but uh <laughs> yeah uh it was it's fine it, uh, arcadis people if you're if you're watching or listening it's fine like have, have a bit of faith i'm not going to say anything that's going to actually be damaging i'm speaking from a position of evidence and um, people might be personally in, in, annoyed but actually the government cannot personally stop Arcadis getting contracts if, even if one of their like graduate subordinate employee I'm not a graduate anyway I'm a bloody I'm a bloody senior I've been it for 10 years if one of their one of their like a, a senior engineer is I'm sorry an absolutely small fry employee but uh anyway so it's fine it's absolutely fine um oh hello everyone saying that yes uh oh thanks yeah lots of people saying saying that they're very happy with it yes um People enjoyed the point comparing 15,000 capacity to 250 capacity. Yeah. Oh, hi, Pete. Yeah. Yes, watched it. Went great. Think committee. Genuinely. Yeah. The good thing was there was four of us. Karen from Midlands Connect is brilliant, but it did feel a little bit like she was in a hostage video because obviously being within Midlands Connect, she's kind of a little bit, she, she's, she's uh, tied down a little bit by the fact there are a lot of MPs that basically are what Midlands Connect are. And she's kind of representing all of their views. And some of them are quite pro IRP because of, you know, reasons, well, reasons being they're in the West Midlands, but also reasons being that they're government uh, adjacent. So, uh, Oh yes, so so um no, no it was good it was good. Uh, what else? What else do I, do I want to say about it? Um yeah, I turned up turned up nice and early. Um so sat through Andy Street's session, which was good because uh, actually I, I don't see eye to eye with Andy Street on lots and lots of things, obviously. But for the most part, there are only a few things that I wrote down that I fundamentally disagree with him with. It actually, made a lot of good points that allowed me to to kind of shorten how much I I kind of said stuff. So um I I think yeah so so I can't, so that was good listen to that um uh immediately desperately needed to wee so that's fine um and so basically went through the whole thing 
I don't know if anyone... I went through the whole thing, like, cripplingly in need to go to the toilet. Uh, so absolutely knocked it out of the park on that front, uh, which was fine. I answered my first... So the first thing I had, like, in my head was, like, oh, crap, oh, crap. I, I, I tried to avoid my affiliation. I haven't I've said it explicitly. Right, okay, right. Now remember to say the thing that I'm, I'm supposed to say before I start. Right, okay, read the thing. And in thinking that, I actually didn't listen to the first question. So I answered the first question based on what the first question was supposed to be on paper, but they'd actually got jumped a couple to the levelling up question. So my first answer is a bit rubbish, actually. I, I make some fine points, but it's a bit rubbish. I only really pick up traction when I'm actually addressing the questions later. So uh, forgive me for the first question. Um, uh, it, it, yeah, please forgive me for that one. But the others I was quite happy with, particularly the one... Uh, there are several that I think were, were really key. Um, the one about whether what you know I, I did you know i was i was i think it was useful to make the point that i'm not just going no oh, you can't do anything on the existing network I, I, it was a good question actually a fair question from i think it was jup miles jup no um uh is it simon anyway saying uh that uh, you know providing saying what you can actually achieve on the existing network and that there are some uh, you know a mixture of things that you can achieve and um yeah uh so that was good and the 400 percent one was key so I, I, that was a, a really important one for me to to talk about because that statement in the back in the technical annex of the IRP is possibly its most egregious, its, it's most offensive, most offensively wrong. Uh, should I go? Should I get my little face up in the top corner? In fact, should I just go? Should I just go? Uh, should I just go big face again? Hello, it's me and big face. Uh, what else? So we had. Um, uh, so that was that. So answer those questions. Uh, oh yeah, Ian and John were fantastic. It was, it was good. It was, I, I was I was partly through saying we were a good group. Actually, I think it was a good. The, the four of us were good. It was it kind of complimented each other. Uh, I was pleased that they were all like. Um, everyone was saying, "Oh yeah, uh, what Gareth said," which is which is was kind of nice. Bearing in mind they're actual academics. I am not. I'm just a mug. The four, the three other people there actually know this stuff. I'm just a PW engineer. I, all, I'm essentially an amateur when it comes to all the other railway stuff. It just happens to be that I can communicate it. But, you know, apparently I'm able to communicate it well. Um, by the way, this shirt pongs, just as an FYI. Uh, for all the professionals, people, for all the very high up senior people listening to this in podcast form, this is just, you're not getting any of the details you want, are you? Anyway, I need to deflate a little bit. It's nice to chat to you, lovely lot. Um, no, Jack and I didn't manage to get that cup of tea. Um, I, uh, I, I was meeting someone else for a cup of tea afterwards, and um, Jack's session finished quite a lot earlier anyway, and I think... Uh, Jack, Jack ended up being whisked off by um, by the media people to get to do a load of interviews. So we, we messaged each other a bit afterwards. So so we're not going to meet up, which would be nice. Um, yeah, it's very cool. Uh, I'm saying I lectured. Thing is, I haven't lectured at Birmingham for like three years. Well, no, that's not true. I haven't lectured at Birmingham for two years, and I I, I lecture at the Permanent Way Institution every now and then. But uh, yeah, I uh, anyway. So so it's a bit. It feels I, I've got massive imposter syndrome, sort of sitting with these actual you know, senior academics uh, there, and it's just me with absolutely no planning experience, just as a track engineer mucking around with concrete and steel is my day job. But anyway, um, it's up there. Uh, it's not on the it's not on the UK Parliament channel. You can download it. You can you can actually download it yourself, but it is available to stream. Uh, actually, do, do you want me to send the link? I'll send a link in the chat right now, so you've got that. Um, da, 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 da. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, because I think that might be something that you... Wait, 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 I'm nearly there. Just need to, oh God, where's the link? Where have I, where have I put it? Oh yeah, but it was on Monday, wasn't it? Right, that's the link. Yeah, there we go. Good, lovely. Uh, I'm going to pop the link in the chat right now if you want to go back and watch it, but I'll put it, I'll put it underneath if you like as well. Um. Anyway, so uh, yes, there were, 
yeah, oh, thanks to everyone. Thanks, Deirdre. Thanks, everyone, um, for, for, for saying that. Any, yeah, genuinely, chat about it in the Discord. Any comments you have, chuck, chuck comments on the Discord if you've got detailed comments. Um, uh, yes, but you can absolutely watch it back on the on the parliamentlive.uk website. Um, uh, yes, uh, I, if I go back to No Face again, I, I very much dressed for the occasion. In fact, I was quite specifically dressing uh, in, in... I was trying to say... Um, uh, I, I was trying to say trans... Trans women are women. Trans men are men, and non non uh, non binary people are valid through having um, uh, the the trans flag colours on me with pink and and blue, uh, fortuitously. And I was also wearing my my progress pin badge and my campaign to electrify Britain's railways pin badge as well. So uh, I was very much in pink. In fact, the, not all pink is on display in these images. So for anyone who's anyway, that's quite enough of that. Oh, anyway, and unless anyone else wants, oh, there's some good discussion. About it. It's probably one for the Discord to kind of continue all the other discussion. Um, uh, yes, uh, yeah, I'm glad people were referring back. The, the, oh, yeah, sorry. The um, da, 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 let's put let's go back to before we go to talk about COVID stats. Uh, this the, the reason I put Greg here is because I, I was hoping to get more of a biting series of questions from uh, uh, from from the for, actually I was hoping that Carl McCartney would hang around, but he he, he scowled at me quite viciously and then just left. Uh, while I was midway through a question, uh, an answer, so um, <laughs> never mind on that front. Um, Kate, Kate, really? Did Ian and John supervise your PhD? That's very awesome, uh, Kate. Cool. Uh, that's very cool. Oh well, uh, high high quality folks. Then that's that's very reassuring. Uh, well, in which case, I'm absolutely honoured that they were referring back to my <laughs> assessment and descriptions. Then, good grief. Talk about I'm gonna yeah. Anyway, talk about imposter syndrome. Anyway, yeah, Greg Smith. Uh, well, let's get let's get let's 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 get the old um let's get the pen in. Greg Smith, who is here, here's Greg Smith. He's not a fan of HS2. If you've not come across him before, he hates HS2. And uh, he tried to he tried to get me with two questions. The first question was um, about benefit cost ratios and and you know how you know the benefit cost ratio is so you know so how can we be sure of its robustness? To which I responded, yeah, we can. It's dreadful. It's a useless way of analysing big projects. And if we included all the main benefits of HS2, the benefit cost ratio would be much better. So yes, I agree, Greg, which he didn't like. Um, then. So that, that was question one. Uh, question two was uh, why? I mean, it was a stupid question. It was why a private company? You know, why a private? If it, if it's such a good investment, why are private companies not getting involved in it? And it's like, well, I shut them down by, by first saying just private companies are just not equipped to make multi-billion pound investments like that. Uh, number one. Number two. Um, because of how stop-start government is, of course, private companies aren't interested in getting involved in in in, in this sort of level of investment. If it if the taps might be turned off uh, tomorrow, he didn't like that answer either. So uh, so I I quite enjoyed owning uh, Greg. That that felt good. I I watched it back. And it, it was it it wasn't quite as snappy as it felt in my head, but I was quite pleased. That was probably the moment I was most pleased. Anyway, um, no oh, thanks everyone. Uh, no, they're not Pikachu socks. These are not Pikachu socks. They're just socks with like cheetahs on them. I think. They're from Next. It's not very exciting. And that suit is, if people are really interested, the suit's from Slater's. I think it was about £80. Uh, and I think the tie and... I think the tie and pocket square combo came from a Primark shirt, possibly. So uh, I'm afraid I was not wearing a high-quality product at that point. Anyway, and I think it was a, it's a Burton shirt, I think, that I'm wearing. So uh, you know, that age is that. Right, let's talk COVID stats. So, uh, what's going on? Um... Road is is continuing its steady rise upwards. 
uh, cycling has shot up because of the nice weather, presumably. Nice bit of cycling in, uh, in the aftermath of that. Uh, you know, the weather's quite nice. It's kind of warm. It's in the aftermath of the storm. People are cycling about, which is which is kind of nice. I hope that doesn't uh, diminish too quickly. But it's nice to see cycling above the 100% pre-COVID level marks, which is nice. Um, so... Uh, what else? Uh, buses are cruising around at the 80% mark by the look of it. So uh, there's there's buses. Um, and uh, it's difficult to tell. The buses are bouncing around. It's difficult to sort of spot what's going on on that. But get rid of my scribbles. Um, rail is recovering pretty quickly at this point. And if we jump to, to the, the kind of the expansion, that's the whole trend from right from the start to now. And you can sort of see see the sort of steady steady slow rate of uh, of improvement um so here you can see the the shoot up post christmas here you can see the drop although not much of a drop um during the storm so that's the drop there uh, clear my scribbles again you can see that the there's a there's a climbing this is always underestimates we're we're currently at exactly uh we're, we're, rail is currently at 70% that's where rail currently is. Um, the rate of acceleration, I think we've maybe got uh, a week before we're at, uh, or maybe maybe two weeks before we're at eighty percent. I think things will. I think we'll be hitting the top of a bubble. I think we'll be bumping against the ceiling at that point because I can't imagine how we can get more than eighty percent ridership, given that so many timetables are still reduced at the moment. Um, I haven't actually drunk any beer. Oh, that's um. It's not bad, actually. It's not bad. Um, so, yeah, I reckon 80% kind of um, maybe maybe kind of uh, kind of two weeks, uh, kind of by two weeks, uh, sort of, yeah, around two weeks. Let's say two weeks to 80%. And then I think it's going to kind of reach a bit of a ceiling. So there's the 80% mark. It's going to reach a bit of a ceiling, I think, because of the, the timetable limitation. What's interesting is the feedback from tra train operators, which is generally across the board, that, e that they're that they're uh oh, what do you call it there's a word for it there's a business word for it uh anyway the amount of revenue that they're making off the higher off the off this ridership is not as much as it used to be so more people are traveling again but they are spending less on their rail travel which is very interesting and i don't know whether that's because of the a, an increase in other travelers and a reduction in say first class travelers um which you know fine i'm kind of fine with that to be honest uh, yes, it would be good if we, you know, opened up our first class offering to to maybe kind of drive a bit more growth in that front, and and uh, you know, to an extent that's that's fine. But actually, it's, for me, it's more important that more people are traveling by train. And actually, if 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 more people are traveling by train and spending less on their tickets, I'm also I'm fine with that. Frankly, <laughs> uh, it just means you know we we just have to endure the fact that government treasury is not fine with that. Treasury is very unhappy about that. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have to pay attention to that. It'd be interesting if we got some stats or, or some some sort of thoughts. Yeah, uh, anyway, that'd be interesting to see. So, that's COVID. Um, time for the news. Uh, talking of government and treasury uh, and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, government's lost the plot. So, this is this is in relation to, um, and it's going to be given tomorrow's news, which I'm not going to talk about because it's embargoed. Uh, given tomorrow's news, this is even more crazy. But uh, Network Rail are, are going for, they're, they're, they're looking at, just in terms of maintenance jobs, they are planning to sack 2,600 people. They're saying those jobs are at risk. Uh, and, 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 and I want to emphasize that people's livelihoods are at stake here. A lot of people's livelihoods are at stake. In fact, I know that people watching this, their livelihoods are potentially at stake. 
This is a horrible situation, an entirely unnecessary situation. This is entirely government inflicted for no discernible reason. There is no discernible reason to be applying these uh, cuts. Network Rail needs to expand what it does. It needs to expand how much it maintains every year. Um, this is very much short-termism. They want a short-term couple of years, and then there'll be a load of outsourced contractors that'll do the work instead, and then they'll be shown to be horribly cost-ineffective, and so they'll be brought back in-house, and we'll have those numbers back again. It's just a way to take money off the book short-term. It's just tremendously short-sighted. It's absolutely dreadful. Um, so, yeah, this is, uh, this, is just, this is just a staggering thing to be happening. Um... Now, what other news that's that's a bit daft? Uh, Houston 2 Underground Boogaloo. Yes, uh, Houston 2 is here, the HS2 station. Good grief. Um, I have comments on this. Firstly, this is sort of just... This looks like Penn Central. It just does not look... Why is it under... Oh, my God. I, I, I have to say, I don't... I'm not so fussed about the architectural choices here. It just... It's the fact that this is they're building Birmingham New Street again. Why are they doing this? Just why 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 are they doing this? Um, Raphael, relate to the last um, news story. Uh, any risk assessment to the network infrastructure relating to the loss of two thousand six hundred maintenance workers? No, N no, I I've yet to see one, and I don't think there ever will be one. Uh, yeah, very very good good point. Um, so Houston two. What's funnier, I think, though, with Houston two. This, this this extra bit of Houston, that funnier than this picture, which seems to show a you know it's a thing, isn't it? It's weird that they've got like the the the, the national rail branding rather than uh, uh, rather than RA two etc. Oh, talking of which, my my uh, my notes were written in RA two. Uh, I'm a nerd. Yes, I made my notes pink, and and that and the font there is uh, was uh, was indeed RA two. Sorry, I'm a nerd. What can I say? This picture is the funnier one. Look, look at these magical, invisible buildings. I don't know how they're going to do these. Oh, look, it's magical and invisible. And it will totally make this disappear, and it will just be horrible and underground, and why are they doing it? I, I, I am very angry about the oversight development here. I, I, I'm, uh, I don't know. It's supposed to be a gateway from London or into London from literally the rest of the whole country for anyone travelling long distance. And likewise, it's the way to get to the rest of the whole UK from hopping off the Channel Tunnel or whatever. And you're going to be in Birmingham New Street, Mark Two. I, I just... I... I, uh, this, yeah. And of course, they've sacked off the... Um, uh, they have sacked off the, uh, the... the 11th platform, and that is entirely so that they can do oversight development. There is no other benefit to it i'm 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 just i just absolutely blown away at, at these choices this isn't hs2's fault this is entirely because of central government um being uh just trying to, to cut costs and remember we're talking about pretty trivial amounts of money in the grand scheme of things here so uh yeah Ugh. just uh oh yeah 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 sorry what's what uh yeah embargoed that's right so there's some stuff embargoed uh, it's funny how I forget how I've set up my own slides. There's some some news that has been embargoed. I have no idea what that news is, um, but the news will involve some heavy vindication on my part. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll look forward to that tomorrow, shall we? Interesting little publication that's come out, actually. Uh, I, I don't often spot these, but this one's a particularly interesting-looking one. Uh, Transportation and Quality of Life Evidence from Denmark uh, by Heibelin Mulalic. Uh, and it basically is, is pointing out the fact that quality of public transport is really directly related to, to quality of life. Um, so, so all the stuff that I'm and I kind of uh, kind of esoterically talk about the value of public transport, this is uh, like 
this is fundamental. Like the the, the 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 academic research is very explicitly pointing out that public transport is a public good and improves quality of life. So it's not even yeah anyway. So um yeah. Uh, I, feel free to look up more papers like that, but this is a—it's an interesting little—it's uh, an interesting little paper. This, yeah, Kate, I thought uh, that's a good point. I think you'd uh, certainly an interesting one to look at. Um, what's interesting then is to look at if this can be tied into uh, into into actually evaluating transport proposals. Um, Kate, I'm actually—we need to have another chat. In fact, Kate, we should—I I should come over to Leeds and have a have a. Uh, we should have a coffee because. Um, I need to get a paper out with Robin that we're, we're nearly finished publishing, and I, it'd be fun to talk about some potential. I'm already doing some other collaborations with another Leeds organisation um, about data. We, we should have a chat. We should have a chat. Anyway, um, shout out to sh- shout out to all the people who I, I just realised I can't actually say in any detail what I'm doing, but a shout out to those people who are cool and and, and want to and, and asking to to do stuff with me because uh, it's 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 awesome to the, some of the opportunities we've got we've got in the next couple of years are pretty cool um interesting little study uh post five post pandemic priorities for london rail users you can pick this up on rail business uk um uh there's a there's a consumer group oh nuts what the, what's the consumer it's like is it like london transport or something oh passenger truck oh golly i'm sorry to the tran- the user group that have uh yeah sorry to the user group that i've forgotten the name of but anyway, they did a very interesting little uh, little study uh, on what um, on what they just they went around and sampled. I don't know how many two hundred or, or so or more. It was a reasonable population size, not a huge one, but a reasonable. One. It might be bigger than that. Actually, I might have done them a disservice. But anyway, um, they asked, "What do passengers want?" And and there's 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 five asks which passengers want, which is quite interesting. Um, and uh, let's go through these five. So, number one, do not reduce capacity. Seems fair. Number two, do not reduce frequency. Yeah. So basically, people don't want their service to get worse. Three, this is possibly the most interesting one because the first two are kind of obvious. It's like, well, I don't want the service to get worse. I, I enjoy using the train and I want the service to be good so that I can use the train more. Um, uh, so the the number three one is interesting, more metro-like services. So they want more just turn up and go services. That's that's That means high frequency, which is really nice. London Travel Watch. Thanks, Kate Pangborn. Yes, London Travel Watch. There was the, uh, was the, was the passenger, there was the... The group, it's not ABC, no, Simon. Um, four, more ambition for train services. They want operators to have more ambition for the way that train services can operate. So potentially looking at connecting different dots that hadn't previously been connected. But I think generally that, that the sense of the more ambition is that they want they want a more expansive rail service. Um, so the fifth thing they want is they want more train and station cleaning. They they were they, they enjoyed the pre-COVID levels of cleanliness in the train, and those have fallen away a bit as 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 staff uh, numbers have been reduced. So there's the there's the five things: one, two, three, four, five. Um, quite interesting. Uh, go and go go and support Rail Business UK to read that and read more detail into it. But I thought I'd list them off. Sorry, uh, sorry, Chris, for for pooping on your parade there a little bit. But uh, hopefully you'll 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 not lose. It. Hopefully you'll get some people going and reading the article off the back of me plugging it. Anyway, what else is interesting? Manchester. Has, oh, this is exciting stuff. Uh, the judicial review brought by some private bus operators. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a professional grown adult. Uh, yes, uh, they've got stuffed because uh, their judicial review has been thrown away. Um, uh, Manchester is getting its buses back, uh, and Mayor Burnham is um, uh, yes, the he's getting to do bus franchising. It's not even like the private operators aren't getting to still make profit off running the bus service. It's not like it's being totally like municipalized or nationalized. Ah, oh, for goodness' sake, this is uh, yeah, this is this is just like. 
this is good news. It's good news, and hopefully it's the start of the end of, certainly for urban suburban buses, um, uh, it's the end of uh, the ridiculous free-for-all. Um, we're going to see, we are going to see buses with uh, regional and city branding, so it's going to be B, it's going to be B-themed or whatever it is, but it's going to be Manchester buses. It's not going to be doodad, you know, it's not going to be MacGuffin, Northern Spirit, first stagecoach uh stockport east buses it's going to be manchester it's going to be greater manchester buses tfgm buses and it's going to be brilliant uh I, i'm very excited about this and and more of this needs to be happening uh in in the major city regions it's good stuff uh matt yeah they do have they do have trams but the trams aren't you know you, you, uh, the, the 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 buses are a vital part of the network trams are just part of that system trams and buses really complement each other they don't compete with each other uh, so yeah, this is this is good news. This is really good news. Um, uh, da, 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 uh, people ask me a thing, but it's gone. Uh, oh yeah, the previous thing is um, is uh, someone someone mentioned related to the previous story. Uh, what about non-rail travellers? Well, yes, uh, but I dare say they want the same thing. If you have more, if you if you reduce capacity and reduce frequency, you're not going to bring new people onto the railway. Um, what else? Ah, right. Yeah. So this is something I missed actually. That I was supposed to put in the news last time when we did the big news roundup, or or the previous time we did the big news roundup. This is something that was that's ridiculous. This is in the leveling up uh, white paper. Higher weight limits for lorries and enabling the general use of longer semi trailers on British roads. Oh my goodness me! Why are we doing this? Why on earth are we doing this? There's a climate crisis, folks. What on earth are we doing? Fourth power rule means that HGVs cause like tens of thousands of times more damage to the roads than like your little your little sort of small family car. Uh, and so the other thing that's funny is that pothole repair has become a leveling up thing. So leveling up the leveling up white paper has managed to create a perpetual pothole machine, which to be fair is quite a, quite a spectacular feat. I'm impressed by this. Um, uh, also, in other news, it's a good job we ran over Insulate Britain. Uh, here is uh, here is a, an interesting graph that I saw uh, being shared. Um, uh, home insulation installations by year uh, in Great Britain. Uh, in 2010, it was uh, over 1.5 million. 2011, a bit more, not much more, but a bit more. 2012, it was, uh, what, about 2.4 million um, homes uh, getting work done. And that dropped from 2012 down a lot. In 2013, it dropped down to like 0.3 million, you know, 300,000. It went up to 0.5-ish in 2014. And then since then, it's gone down even more. It's now like 0.1. It's a good job that our gas, that that we, uh, you know, we have a steady supply of gas, isn't it? Um, I, I'm not talking about Ukraine, by the way, because I just don't think I've got anything useful to add. It's absolutely horrifying to watch the scenes and, and absolutely solidarity with everyone out in Ukraine, um, apart from the Asov Battalion, who uh, I don't think we should be arming because they're literal fascists. But anyway, um, uh, they thankfully make up a minority of the people fighting for their livelihoods and homes in, in Ukraine. But um, uh, yeah, because because of the whole Putin gas and oil situation, it's really good that we, you know, it, it's worked out that like a sizable number of decile percentage points could be saved in gas usage by us having insulated our homes uh, more. So that's fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Really good. Just tremendous effort all around. Uh, well done. Brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliant work, Westminster. Oh, talking about government uh government just take, uh, taking us on an absolutely wild ride shout out to Anne Gavahan uh hero of the sh- has hero of the show status by the way for the absolutely most watched ever rail natter episode thanks to it being found by QAnon um 
Uh, and Gav on Twitter was saying driverless trains don't magically end strikes and I'm a little worried that the DFT is making this explicit connection today suggesting they don't understand what it actually takes to run driverless service safely this is this is a uh, a very key point and, and this was in response to a couple of other tweets that were bouncing around number one from this um, Wazak uh, Isabel Oakshot uh, Vampiric Oakshot the uh, the average tube driver earns £56,000 for a 36 hour week plus bonuses and gets 43 days annual leave no wonder they never leave no, no what you mean is this is why everyone should join a union uh, today they're bringing misery to millions of Londoners by going on strike to demand an even better deal change the law and fire the lot of them this is a tweet from an idiot um, The firstly yeah, the reason they're paid... Uh, for, oh, okay, no, no, first, first, zero, Lee. £56,000 in London is like, it's, a, it's it's not a bad salary, and there are a lot of people who are on a lot less than that. But 56 k is not is not rich people money. That's like enough... If, if Particularly if you're a single earner within the, for the household, that's about enough to scrape by if you have a family. That's not a huge amount of money uh, as a household income. Um also, the fact that they're bringing misery to millions, yeah, yeah, as in the fact that London entirely relies on these people, yeah, that's why they're paid well, because London relies on them, because they have a really important job to do. Oh my goodness me. Change the law, fire the law. And what's also funny is that Isabel Oakshot is annoyed that the tube is on strike and that trains aren't moving, so her plan appears to be to absolutely guarantee that no trains move. Just absolute brain genius stuff. Uh, just complete brain genius stuff and it gets worse because the same brain genius stuff was being uh, dribbled out by uh, everyone's uh, fan favourite our special rail natter boy Grant Shapps for the second time this week TFL tube strikes have I, I need to prefer, I need to actually get do a, be able to do a Grant Shapps impersonation I'll, I'll practice for next time uh, TFL tube strikes have brought London to a standstill given the government has provided almost 5 billion to protect services and TFL jobs throughout the pandemic this is no way to repay hard pressed taxpayers who are simply trying to get to work and home. What? Uh, firstly, taxpayers don't... Uh, taxpayers aren't fund... Oh, anyway. But also, you've provided 5 billion... No, 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 no. You've cut 1 billion plus from TfL's funding. <laughs> it's not... It's because, and as a result of that, workers' right, working rights and pensions are, get, are, are under threat and getting squeezed. Oh, so let's 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 go to the RMT's own documentation to actually understand why the strikes uh, were happening last week. So I think it's worth just just hearing it from the horse's mouth, um, and uh, and 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 sort of looking at, at the key reasons why they're striking. So firstly, London Underground. Uh, this uh, RMT are always you've got to take some of the RMT stuff with a pinch of salt because you know their unions are so some of the stuff is hyper political, kind of politicized and and and, and so on. But uh, so it's not so much that LU wants to cut six hundred frontline positions; they're kind of being forced to cut that many positions. TfL says it needs to make five hundred million pounds worth of cuts every year to be self financing. Again, that's inflicted by central government. Uh, TfL is the only system of its type not to receive regular funding. Absolutely. Uh, TfL relies on fares for 75% of its regular revenue. By comparison, only 38% of the New York subway's revenue comes from fares. So that's pointing out some of the facts. Um, but the reason for the strike is um, uh, uh, they're striking to stop job cuts, to defend conditions and pretend, uh, protect pensions. So it's just that, the, the, that there are potential job cuts happening and that in order to make savings, their work, the, the hard-fought-for rights... Um, are potentially going to be uh, eroded, uh, and what's critical with this uh, is and actually I was in I was in when I went on my little adventure to to go on the new bit of uh, Northern Line extension to Battersea, I overheard two two drivers having a chat at the end of the platform when they were waiting for the train to return them, 
and they were saying, look, obviously it's there. It's like, look, obviously things are pretty hard, but uh, I don't mind, you know, things, services, you know, I, I don't mind my conditions changing, I don't mind hours changing, I don't mind uh, shift rotors changing, but they can touch my pension over my dead body was essentially the thrust of what they were saying. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's very much a do not touch their pensions because, let's face it, that's the one thing. They're like, okay, my life might be hard while I'm working, but at least when I finish this this pretty hard job, I will have a decent pension. That's why I do this job. That's like one of the key perks of doing this job is I'll have a decent pension and I will be comfortable and I'll be able to support my, my family, continue to support my family when I retire. So taking that away is something that's that's, that's rightly really problematic and it's the same reason why it's, it's a key to, along with the, the the four fights it's a key reason why uh the ucu why the university why university staff although not nearly enough of them frankly uh, were striking again pensions you work in a job that's hard that involves you putting in a lot of extra hours a lot of shift work a lot of sort of unpaid slog certainly in the case of academics because there is a you will get a reasonable pension at the back of it and if that gets stripped away um then, then, then it's just you're you're losing a lot of incentive to do that work, and it's it's ripping at the heart of, of of what, you know, ripping at the heart of what is basically the the transactional relationship between the state and and these people who work really hard but are then rewarded by 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 a decent pension. You break that, and you break that relationship. You break that connection. Anyway, it's 1933, and we've not talked about driverless tube trains. But this was the point of the the reason I talked about this is because it absolutely this is this is. The, the stupid discussion about driverless tube trains comes from this political element of like, oh, it's another tool that we can use to bash and break the unions, even though, as we'll talk about, it ain't. Anyway, oof, sorry about all that discussion, but hopefully that's all, you know, it was worth talking about the news. I'm glad we did the the, 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 deep, the, the decompress about the uh, transport committee um, and uh, we're going to kick off tonight's show. Uh, so uh, thanks for everyone who's been who's been listening uh, impatiently, uh, waiting for me to actually get to the body of the report uh, of the kind of the, the body of the rail matter. But I promise we are right now, literally as I speak, I'm hovering over the arrow key to start tonight's episode. <laughs> City 225 fades from our view, disappearing slowly and easing off our screens and fading into black. Let's put up a news article for our own uh, enjoyment. This is from, uh, this, this, uh, just in case you can't read it, this is an article from 1977. And uh, it states here, in no uncertain terms, that there will be driverless tubes by 1990. Uh, and the, uh, the, the by Norman Leaf here saying, underground trains without Drivers or guards will be running on the London tube system by 1990. First line to have the new unmanned service, uh, obviously unstaffed nowadays, uh, will be the central. <laughs> It'll be smoother, faster, safer and more reliable than the present service. Before then, however, driverless trains will be tried on the East London line between Whitechapel and New Cross. I remember that was a, when that was a tube line, weird. And the section of the central line between Hainault and uh, Woodford. Um, 3,000 staff reduction, blah, blah, blah. By the year 2010, almost the entire London tube transport tube network will have been turned over to fully automatic trains. These are the firm forecasts today of London Transport's top engineer, Mr. William Maxwell. Shout out to William Maxwell. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it, mate. Um, anyway, so let's uh, let, let's not read that anymore. Uh, that is James Hunt on the front. Yeah, James Hunt forced off the track while trying to 
It's irrelevant. Let's not worry. Oh, he punched someone and it cost him fifteen hundred quid. Uh, he, yeah, Thor smacked a guy in the, in the nose and uh, and it made people unhappy. Anyway, that's we're getting distracted. Uh, this is this is this is Mr. William Maxwell here. Uh, he uh, he made a bad call, folks. So anyway. Uh, yeah, Chad James Hunt. Let's not go there, folks. So that's the reason I'm putting that up there. And indeed, the reason I was talking about this uh, in Trash Future a few weeks back, it's a fun episode. It's, it's the free one, so you can listen to it um, for free. All of you can go and do that now. Um, and indeed, I wrote about it in this slightly weirdly laid out checkerboarded thing. That's a bit of a prompt for me to make my miniaturized face appear in the top corner. Hello, everyone. Um, so... Yeah, uh, yeah. Simon Zavikenla points out that it, that that the Victoria line opened um, uh, like eight years before that article was published, which had uh, automatic train operation, but with drivers. Uh, eight, yeah, eight years before the article was written. Yeah, yeah, good point. So, um, Maxwell Silverhammer. Thanks, Bob's Rail Relics. Very nice. Um, yeah, that did, didn't go well. Anyway, so I, these weird extracts is because I wrote about this in, in Rail Magazine. Um uh, yeah, uh, I wrote about drivers, and, and as I point out here, I'm not the only one, because John Bull, here he is, John, John Bull wrote an excellent piece from a slightly different angle, well worth reading as well, in London Reconnection, so I could I vigorously recommend you to read uh, both of those, uh, both my piece, which is available on Medium, uh, and also John's, which is available on London Reconnections, where we go into some of the detail on this. Now, um, I do have a little bit of a structure, but actually I want this to be a bit of an open... So I talked about it a bit on, 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 on Trash Future. I've written the piece. I don't want this to kind of be a rehash of the piece. What I'd like is for this to be a bit of a Q&A. So while I do the next bit, if you can think of... Maybe don't chuck them at me yet, but if you can think of lots of questions I can I, I can kind of pitch through, I'm going to go big face at the end of this little bit and we can kind of talk through some of the some of the themes. Well, we've only got 20 minutes, but we'll, 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 we'll go through it. I want it to be a bit of a Q&A. So yeah, so I wrote my piece... Uh, oh yeah, I did slides for this. I wrote my piece, and um, and also uh, Garius on Twitter, John Bull wrote his piece. Uh, I, I was pleased with my piece. It felt like a nice little wrap up of lots of theme themes. So it wrapped up some of the kind of the gadget band stuff, and it wrapped up the uh, level boarding stuff into quite a neat, neat angle. So I kind of took a slightly different angle to it from uh, John Bull. John Bull took a really, uh, really proper. John knows this. I mean, John knows this stuff absolutely through and through. So this was very much a. Uh, if you want the real detail from a from from somebody who absolutely lives and breathes breathes this stuff, uh, go straight to that article. It's fantastic. But it's worth going. What what is driverless uh, when it comes to trains? Um, we're going to get there, everyone. We're going to get to GOA four. Uh, yeah. It, oh, also, if you listen to that uh, trash feature, you can laugh at me because rather than saying grade of automation, I I, I had a, a brain fart and I kept saying grade of operation, not grade of automation. When I say it quickly together, it sounds similar. But anyway, uh, Matt Reed, we're going to we are going to answer that question. So yeah, I'll, I'll come back to that. It's a good it's a good one. So uh, what is driverless? No, it's not this uh, made up nonsense about people sitting in cars not going any you know not having to drive because let's face it, um, uh, this is never going to happen. But it is possible on trains. You know, there are fully automated train systems without drivers right now, right? And they are all built specifically to do that. <laughs> Only, like, in fact, I've got the stat. I will get literally get the stat up, which is at the bottom here, which is, da -da -da -da, thanks, John. Um, there are over 100 metro systems in the world that were built before the year 2000, and only four of them have been converted to grade of automation four. So, uh the, the, the idea that we can convert uh, sensibly and easily convert driverless train uh, uh, kind of sorry uh, driver and, and and older legacy metro systems into driverless is, is for the birds but but this technology exists I'm not saying that I'm not saying that uh, driverless metro systems don't don't exist they do but it's also worth saying that these systems are operated by controllers 
So the idea that these that these systems allow you to to uh, that, that that mean that these systems are strike free. This one here is in Paris, for God's sake. And I can absolutely tell you for a fact that that is not made that line strike strike resilient. Um, so uh, yes, yeah, so. Um, my God. So anyway, so, th so th there's, there's, there's a driverless, there's a, there's a driverless train, uh, metro train, and there is a driverless infrastructure. There it is. Look, see, look, look, look. There it is. It's a thing, um, and it's got these, uh, it's got these things here, these, these uh, platform edge doors, and all sorts of other things and infrastructure. And we'll, we'll talk about that momentarily. But we need to talk about grades of automation to actually talk about what I mean by specifically by driverless trains. And this is a, a little table that I'm stripping uh, straight out of. Uh, it's a system that I'm uh, stripped that I've stripped straight out of uh, of a presentation which we're going to go through, which I uh, is probably still supposed to be secret, but it's been it's old enough that I don't care. Um, so let's talk about grade of automation. So grade of automation one is where you have um, is is, is here's some some slightly different names for things that you've got. So so grade of automation one can be referred to as a manually driven train a manually controlled train and and the way that you look at these uh these grades of automation which go from grade of automation one to four is by looking at firstly the routine starting and stopping of the train and then secondly at the routine door operations and grade of automation one means that that is an entirely driver controlled system so in the cab the driver controls routine starting and stopping and routine door operations and the current systems that do that on on tfl right now are the bakerloo and the piccadilly line right those are the ones that are entirely uh, driver controlled those are grade of automation one so that means no automation mostly um grade of automation two is what could be described as automatic train operation uh, you see ato systems around so the routine starting and stopping is actually controlled by the train not by the driver but the routine door operations are controlled by uh, by the driver um, i mean it can be an on-train staff person not not the driver but there is a driver in the train and the other thing means that there is a driver to deal with non-routine situations so in, including train evacuation but also seeing stuff like reacting to to events that aren't part of the standard stopping and starting uh, routine of the train so uh Services that have this grade of automation two, what we can call automatic operation mode, uh, are uh, the Victoria Line and the Northern Line uh, as examples of those. Those two um, fit into that category. Grade of automation three is where you can actually say, okay, the system is can be driverless, right? So routine starting and stopping is done automatically based on the signaling system and the train control system. And routine door operations are done by a train attendant, but they are not necessarily in the cab. Now, there is a legacy system that does that in London. It's DLR. It's the Docklands Light Railway. But it is not to modern GOA3 standards. So there is a risk with every extension of the Docklands Light Railway system that the ORR will turn around and say actually we would like to have PEDs fitted on the whole system it's a, an unlikely risk because everyone would just absolutely lobby the hell out of the RR and it wouldn't happen but it's in terms of risk profile there's always the chance as the DLR gets busier that this might be requested because grid of automation 3 requires platform edge doors in order for there to be a safer interface 
uh, with between the train uh, and the platform to let people on and off. Now, that leads us into Grade of Automation 4, which is UTO, Unattended Train Operations, which, whilst GOA3 is driverless, it does not mean there's no staff on the train, and I'd argue that invariably that means that there is a driver in the train. So only the pure, only GOA4 is, the, um, is where you get that, um, you know, kind of the, the, the saving, if you like, of not having a person on the train for routine operations, uh, but also for non-routine operations, which makes it very complicated because suddenly you need passengers to be able to, of their own volition, get off a train if they need to, walk along the track infrastructure to get to a station to get out of the system safely. That doesn't just mean that the train itself and the signaling system need to be upgraded. That means that you need to up, you need to have infrastructure that's safe for passengers to traverse it, which means in, very, in most situations a safe walking route not just walking in the in the forefoot between the rails with with a live rail next to you, but it means walking on a safe walking route, which means bigger tunnels. Also, it means platform edge doors, so that the system can can so that you've almost totally excluded the risk of someone getting trapped by or or in the, in the gap between the train and the and the platform or going underneath the train. Um, to achieve all that stuff, you get Grade of Automation Four, which means full uh, kind of full automation. Grade of Automation Four systems do exist. But uh, but they are not. Um, it's very rare. There are very few converted systems that provide grade of automation for, uh, and the the conversions have been very very costly. So there are so 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 I thought I'd I'd um I'd flick through some of the systems that enable um the sort of from a signaling side that enable uh driverless or or rather auto, grade of automation three and four. Um, on 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 sort of uh, suburban transport systems, and I know I need to do a rail matter on my categorization of urban transit. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't finished my little uh, flow chart yet, but I'll get there. Um, so uh, there are lots of people asking questions about lots of questions about like the the four LM uh, kind of modernization and stuff. So these are good questions. I'll trace through these. Do do send your questions, and I'll collect them up when I, when I go big face momentarily. Firstly, you've got Bombardier, or should that be Alstom's uh, City Flow six fifty system, which is a CBTC system, which is an older form of automation. Um, uh, that uh, actually Crossroad will rely on for certain sections, thanks to actually in its central section it will use CBTC. So the Cityflow 650, which is was Bombardier now Alstom system, Talis have or had Celltrack. Um, these, these are not all of the systems exhaustively, but they're some of the more common ones that, that have appeared in quite a few systems. Uh, Siemens have two systems. They've got TrainGuard MT, which is a CBTC system, um, and they've got VAL. Uh, We'll get to VAL in a moment. Uh, Hitachi Rail STS, who took over from another company, uh, have what they call actually it was Ansaldo Breda had their the, the the Italian like the 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 Ansaldo Breda driverless metro system, which was developed in Italy, now gobbled up by Hitachi, so it's a Hitachi system. Um, Doppelmayr have a system that ostensibly can be used to provide capacity commensurate with a metro system ish, or or certainly a light metro system, uh, which is their cable car, their their Doppel the kind of the DCC cable car system. Uh, Nippon's signal um uh it's difficult to to hammer down exactly what what system crrc had so i excluded them but nippon signal have have what they call sparks sparcs which is another automated system these are systems for controlling um uh and they're kind of traffic they're, they're not just train control systems they're train control and 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 rail traffic systems kind of integrated systems but things to squiggle first squiggle is that val is the stupid uh rubberized uh not really a tram rubbery trackless nonsense that you see in a few places in and i'm not talking about um uh, i'm not talking about the rubberized uh sort of french metro systems i'm talking about like the on-road automated systems so so forget those uh not not a huge val 
Uh, what other scribble have I got? Oh, yeah, Doppelmark, because it is cable car. And, eh, yeah, it's not it's not a proper metro system. It's a cable car. And invariably, they've got, like, the, the, the systems they're being hauled on. Or, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. What else am I scribbling? Celltrack, because uh, I think Celltrack has been pretty much abandoned by Talus now. Anyone from Talus or talking for Talus can, can shout up and tell me off. But I believe that um, Talus will be... Uh, uh, Talus' Celltrack system doesn't actually exist to be bought off the shelf anymore. So, um, yeah. Uh, anyone who knows better can shout at me for that stuff. Right, but the reality. Let's talk about the reality. And we're going to go through these slides, which is uh, slides from August 2020. Um, TFL are probably be very angry at me for, for, for putting these in front of you, but frankly, uh, hopefully they've done the rounds and been circulated a bit because it's um, it's useful, relevant information. So let me, let me flick over here. Uh, and go and do the old control L and we're going to whiz uh, cover your eyes for the flashy stuff so here's that presentation we're going to have a look at it we're going to go through this uh, fairly quickly I'm not going to dwell on the detail uh, I'm pretty sure you can find this online if you just google it um, isn't the 4M a 4LM cell track system I don't I don't know I don't know about the specifics of a lot of those London um, upgrades but I, I will I will go through the, if you've added me which you need to do for questions I won't spot questions if you've not added me so I'll only do it if you've added me and, and my name appears in red ping those questions then I'll go big face and I'll work my way back through and I'll answer the ones that I know I can answer and then I'll defer on the ones that I know I can't so uh, here is a, a, a render much renderite going on here and so this presentation is to, to kind of examine issues constraints for introducing driverless operation on the LU network summarize challenges of cost highlight financial economic case for, for driverless or indeed that they're there, that there isn't one. Actually, you need to see my mouse here, don't you? Let me uh, let me just quickly do this and capture cursor so you can see my mouse here. Look at the mouse. So, and then the last one is identify practical next. Identify practical next step. This is because TFL are applying. Uh, sorry, DFT are applying pressure on TFL to um uh, to do this stuff. It's basically pointless, and we'll explore why in a minute. So here's the summary. Driverless operation requires high upfront capital spending for infrastructure enabling, as in the most recent line converted in Paris. While some operational serving, savings are achievable, the overall case is not financially positive given the high capital costs. Um, significant customer benefits are possible, most notably from improved safety, accessibility between train and platform, the ambience of the platform environment, and some reliability improvements. I fully agree on this, by the way. That, that, that for me, is like the main reason to do this work is because there are actual benefits from the stuff. Uh, when delivered as part of an integrated line and train system upgrade, it offers reasonable value for money for these passenger benefits, although the value for money case is much weaker than for conversion from uh, manual to automated. So the all, and, and we'll see this as a theme through this presentation, all the benefits go, are from moving from GOA 1 to GOA 2, massively diminishing returns for going from GOA 2 to 3 or 4. Um, uh, value for money is significantly weakened if driverless conversion is undertaken via retrofit of existing trains and infrastructure due to increased costs, risks, and shorter remaining life of key assets. Yep. Value for money and affordability of driverless conversion should be considered as opportunities arise alongside planned line upgrade and asset renewal programs through the 2020s and 40s. The driverless case is unlikely to be strong enough to justify prioritization ahead of planned capacity enhancements on the LU network. Uh, while there are marginal positive benefit cost ratios, the financial payback is negative. So there's the summary. Pretty harsh. Um, uh, there we go. Da, da, da. So, so they're talking about stage of upgrades, and they've they've put this table and they've actually overwritten some of the text. Fine, that's the key principles of business case framework. Uh, whatever. They've looked at some examples. So they're looking at DLR. Um, uh, the rising demand has driven progressive network expansion, higher frequency services, but with grandfather rights to extend operations using the original GOA three operating model. So this is what I talked about earlier: is that it's not a modern GOA three. Uh, system 
Um, actually, it's effectively in Goa 2 mode uh, when, it's, when it's very busy. So, so the attendant performs duties from the front control panel. So it becomes a driver, a dri- a kind of a staffed system with a driver at the front uh, when it's really busy. Uh, the business ten station to station links on DLR have an average of uh, just under twenty or around eighteen thousand uh, weekday boarders compared with sixty six thousand on London Underground. So it's pointing out the DLR is a is very much. I haven't remembered my definition yet, but it's like a light metro system. It's not providing the the the, the sort of through. It's not it's not dealing with the throughput that you get on London Underground. Um. And then this is a whole section talking about PTI. Now, go back to the level boarding episode of Rail Natter um, for, uh, for kind of lots of information on that and understanding what the, um, what the pressures and challenges are on that front. And, and this, is, this, is, this, kind of, this, this slide here is explaining why it's important to, and why that's critical to consider um, for conversion from GOA 2 to GOA 3 and 4. We have some beer. So... Um, uh, a bit of a summary of previous discussions with the uh, with the chief inspector of railways on the RR. So um, about the potential or whether they, um, you know, but the key thing they want is that there should be no more risk than today, should those driverless operations be introduced. Um, so and then they're saying if a diminu- if 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 the level of safety uh, was reduced for whatever reason, or I would require the return of the original level of PTI safety, which means that they'd need to have trained drivers. So that's another key point here that has to be grasped, is that you cannot shed drivers from here. You have to have someone who's able to get into the cab and drive the train, which means you have to have driver training, which means you have to have uh, drivers, which means there's, uh, clearly there's a diminishment in the, um, in the, in the fanciful made-up idea that if you sack all the drivers, everything gets better. Um, da, 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 da. Right, so that, that's fine. Uh, this is a bit of a benchmarking looking at conversion of, um, of uh, Line 1 in Paris to GOA4 operation. Um, da, 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 carries a lot of passengers. Da, 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 yeah, lots of lots of stuff here. It kind of, it was built in cut and cover, so this is a cut and cover rather than a deep tube. Oh, there are so many good reds appearing. I'm going to go through all of these very soon. I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. Um, so there's lots of information here which you can look at, and you can come back and pause the video if you want to kind of look at these slides. But I'm going to whiz through them. Um, so a comparison, key infrastructure constraints must be considered in any proposals for driverless automation. So the key comparison they made with London Underground, uh, the Paris uh, Metro was constructed with shallow, or, or in this case, Paris Metro was constructed with shallow depth twin track cut and cover tunnels with short interstation distances. Some lines have clearance for side walkways to allow ease of customer evacuation. Most straight stations have straight platforms. Um, compared to London, where the deep level tube lines were built with small diameter single bore tunnels with no space for side walkways, some sections have long distances between one and two kilometres between stations. Platform layouts, heights and curvatures are varied and large horizontal gaps and vertical steps must be addressed for level access. Yes, level boarding is a vital component of GOA 3 and 4 operation, or certainly GOA 4 operation. Hence why I'm kind of like, I'm actually, I don't mind if they do actually end up wanting to do this because it will mean they have to do a lot of good accessibility improvements on the, on the underground. But it's not for the reasons that, that TFL and, and Grant Shapps are pushing. So, right, this is a bit of a description of some of the stuff that has to happen, you know, uh, trains and signaling, communication, all the sort of upgrades, security measures, um, uh, all, all of this stuff, the PTI works happening in the, within the, the tunnels, extra things looking at guideway security fencing and kind of all the, kind of the, the extra stuff here that has to be considered as understanding what the cost implications are of doing this work. Um, and uh, and so they're looking at kind of these two operating models, one of which is GOA four, and then the other one is GOA three. So there's GOA four and three. Um, 
and they've kind of looking at the attended model fine there's a bit of discussion there so we, we kind of jump through this there's a load of bump there going into methodology if we're going to skip that some some key assumptions um and here we get into looking at costs these are in 2020 prices now you can see here that the total for converting some of these lines so the, the total for converting um it's the scope and capex estimates for four lines that they've estimated. Now, I, I, I kind of help, I kind of um, improved on my analysis of this by looking at some of the numbers a bit more specifically. Um, so, yeah, I'll just make sure I get my numbers up so that I can refer to them specifically, and then I'll come back to saying hello to you all. Um, so you've got some costs here. So, so conversion, for example, the subsurface, um, uh, so, sort of the the subsurface uh, lines uh, would be three point three. Uh, billion uh, you've got uh, 665 million here you've got uh, 41 million for convert uh, sorry that's for the Victoria you've got 41 million even just for the conversion of the um, the Waterloo and City line so so that's a, still a pretty major investment and then you've got the best part of a billion quid for the Piccadilly so pretty hefty hefty costs really and they did the work they did the analysis work on the Piccadilly and then have scaled it based on the kind of the scale of the assets and the trains and so on and actually they've looked at they've kind of taken a broader look at the other um sort of the uh, picking up the the attended the, and actually they've gone for a GA4 attended economic case so you still have to because of the state of the network you still have to have an attendee and um, and actually I've kind of uprated these for in today's prices it is Oh, I've talked too much and I'm yawning. Um, it is around 11 billion quid to convert the whole network. So it's 11 billion quid to convert the whole underground network, which is like that's a, a dump ton of money. If that was a government-funded project and it had made any, it had any value, in, like, fine, government could fund it. But they're telling TfL that TfL need to fund it. And why should TfL spend 11 billion quid on something that they, they're managing that safety? They're managing... Like, it'd be great if they did it from a level boarding and from a from a safety perspective. You know, you, the, the, the fact that you've got PEDs would provide a suicide barrier. Lots of benefits to that work. But also a huge amount of disruption to passengers and the risk that you actually turn passengers away from doing that work. Um, and the key... There's, there's a load of stuff here. Kind of da, da, da. And, and basically... The point that's kind of, yeah, so there's stuff on the financial case. They're saying all of these have a, a negative sort of um, net financial effect. So looking at the net present value analysis there, blah, 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 this stuff on this table. Basically saying this is all going to cost loads with basically, it's, and it's a case of diminishing returns. I've said basically like eight times there. Um, the key point is that all of the benefits to doing this, this automation stuff happens when moving from uh, the driver controlling the speed of the train to the train and the signaling system controlling the speed of the train. So if you do that work, that's where all of the kind of capacity benefits come from. And your constraint starts becoming the station, not the throughput. You know, you've maximized the throughput. The Victoria has pretty much maximized what throughput you could. You can't really run any more trains on that line. And, and moving from GOA2 to GOA4 is not going to provide any benefits. The constraints at that point become the the, the passenger capacity of the station and the, the, the ability of, of the, the passenger flow through the, through the actual station itself. Um, and so there's some stuff about next steps, and, and it talks about oh, what could we do. Oh, have a look at the, the developing plans and feasibility studies. Well, okay, do it, but it feels like a waste of, of money to me. There's a blank slide saying the word appendices. Uh, this is a bit of a recap. There's where you can see where I stole the GUA uh, 1, 2, 3, and 4 definitions. Um, uh, here's some sort of stuff about benefit areas assessed and customer ambience, and here's some definitions, and that's the end of the slide deck because great. So that's that. I, I just wanted to um, I just wanted to um, go into uh, just go through that in a way that at least you can go back and pause those slides, look through them even if I've not kind of gone through them in great detail for the audio only people. So, uh, so but yeah, you can come and come and find this on the YouTube and, and have a look uh, look through. So, um, whew. What I want to now do is uh, is actually go to Big Face.
because um, let's do. So I'm gonna we're getting in a moment, but for, we're gonna draw this to kind of a, a close once we've done gone through and done some questions. So I've gone right back to where all these uh, all these attings are of my name to see. Um, let's let's go down here. Right, so first question we've got is from Raphael. Uh, GOA2, Grade of Automation 2, is what Thameslink does in the core, right? Yes, so they've got ATO controlling the train. So the trains are actually controlled by by the, the, the driver takes their hand off and the train controls itself through um, uh, through through the core of, of Thameslink. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Da -da 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 -da. Uh, Stevie and Selby is saying PED. Sorry, yes. Uh, platform edge doors. So the thing that I showed you earlier, and you can see them on the... Uh, uh, if you go down to the Jubilee line, all the new bits of the Jubilee line extension have have, have platform edge doors. Uh, as Oh, wait. Do, yeah, I think as does the Northern line extension. I think it does. Does it? Someone's going to jump in and correct me on that. All Loads of you have been on that. Tell me if that's true. I think it is. Um uh, so, right, let's keep going down. Sir Corot, uh, could you not have GOA4 with a train attendant who is not responsible for the door operations? That's precisely the model that TFL have analysed because they, they don't believe that it's even feasible, really, to run a full GOA4 level of automation, uh, in, certainly in the deep shoot lines. They just don't believe it's, it's feasible. You have to have someone who can take passengers out because of the length of those tunnels uh, to safety, for example. That's one, one key example. Um, uh, Phil is saying... Uh, uh, would newer lines, uh, i.e. Jubilee and Victoria, necessarily be easier to automate than older ones? Uh, a bit where they're in, where they're they've got nice. Okay, some in the case where they've got nice straight platforms, that does make it a bit easier. But actually, a lot of those were built to on a shoestring, and and the automation that they have, the GOA two level of automation, was part of that that cost saving effort. And so to step beyond that is going to require pretty much as much work as you need in the, on the Piccadilly line. So uh, mixed feelings on that one. Um, certainly the new bit of the Jubilee line would be a lot easier to convert because it's got the it's got the the, the, the tunnel. I don't know about the, the the actual tunnels are still quite small, but certainly it's got the um, uh, it's got the platform edge doors, which helps. David Shepard, what is the four lines modernization for LM doing for the subsurface lines? Is that GOA two or higher? I believe it's GOA two. Um, which is meaning that the drivers don't aren't driving the train, the traffic system, the traffic management system, and the and the train control system are, are doing the train movements, but the but the driver's still in charge of the doors. Is that correct, everyone? Can people come in and, and confirm that's correct? I believe that is correct. Um, do, 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 coming down to the next question that I can spot. Uh, Rail Focus is asking, will HS2 be GOA2 then? Yes, I believe it will be. You have to have a driver because obviously the train has to operate off the off the the, the new uh, the, the kind of the um, the, the new infrastructure. I feel like I've said that a lot this morning, um, but the uh, but it, I, I believe it will be GOA two. It'll, it'll rely on ATO, so the, the driver will essentially step back and allow the train to be controlled um, uh, manually, which uh, takes some of the fun out of it for being a driver, I'd imagine, going at full speed. But you get to sit and enjoy the view anyway. Um, next question: Isn't uh, Sakura is saying isn't the four LM uh, system cell track? Yeah, I believe it. I think it, I think it is. Oh man, I think it is. Uh, it's a very messy history four LM because it was. Someone got involved, then they stepped back, and then someone else got involved, and then they stepped back, and it was like part installed. And, and but is the part in, part installed? Was that actually on the Piccadilly, not on at Northern? Uh, the history's got messy. To be honest, it's kind of like, oh my god, this is such a mess. I'm gonna step back from it. But um, I don't know. People, other people who are clever can come in and confirm some of the cell track stuff. Um, I, I, Talis people, ha I, I don't know. I didn't spot anyone adding me into it. So is there anyone from Talis in the chat? If there is, hello. And are, do you still sell cell track? Um, great if you do. Uh, is there like cell track two or or some like upgrade cell track squared? Uh, Matt Reed, 
do you think that driverless trains will ever be on the main network? No, I don't. For for similar for similar reasons, we, we might get ATO on some of these core routes, but there's so much of the network that is uh, you'd need to have uh, you need to have so much to change on the existing network that I, th there's no value in it. You know, I want level boarding and and uh, level boarding is important, but you can't have platform edge doors on a train on on lines that have multiple types of train running on them. So uh, uh, or certainly it's very difficult to to get viable ones. So so. Without that, you just can't get that level. You can have ATO, you can have a situation, and I do foresee it where you have a situation where the driver is not in control of the train, uh, as in they're not they're not performing routine sort of starting and stopping and speed control. That's not only foreseeable; that's happening. That will be happening on um, on the East Coast Main Line, and as as we continue to roll out ETCS um, across the network, that is a, a potential that the traffic management system can take control of the train, and that can help. Um, ameliorate some of the challenges with defensive driving um, that, that limit capacity some of these things but um, uh, why is the I just noticed that YouTube has gone funny I mean you can't all see me because I presume you're, you're you're getting I think it's still coming through in the thing I can see I, I, we've gone past the hour but don't worry we're not going to go much further um, anyway yeah so no I don't think the main line will ever see um, uh, anything above GOA2 operation on, on some kind of uh, on kind of suburban routes uh, Richard Smith, if Talus's cell track doesn't exist, that's not going to be good for. Oh yeah, yeah, that's kind of a bit what we've talked about. Um, uh, Raphael, uh, how about reliability of automated systems compared to uh, grade of automation one systems? Here in Cologne, on the Stadtbahn, there are regularly services uh, and trains being cancelled. Is that as a result of signalling um, uh, lack of reliability? That's very interesting. Um, these systems may well fall down. The advantage of having a driver is that you can then the degraded working you can fall back onto GOA one. So it shouldn't have an impact if you've got a driver. That's that's my uh, my instinct on that front. Four uh, LM is GOA one to two, I believe. Blobby tables, yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Richard Smith. Trains have low marginal costs. Just use the infrastructure well. Yeah, exactly. Tim Davis. Uh, what the pods at Heathrow Airport? Uh, a gadget ban. Um, no, I think they're running. They're running on one, possibly on one of the systems I put up there, or possibly another one that's designed for. They, they, actually, there's quite a good, there's quite a good thing on driverless trains on, on Wikipedia that has a list of all the systems being used. Actually, uh, there's a, there's a good series of tables you can go and find that. So it's quite a good one. Um, how do people and, and travelers feel about unstaffed services? Uh, on on underground, I don't. On metro systems, I don't think they care that much, frankly. But on and, and this is maybe me as a passenger as well. But on longer distance services, you kind of want someone in that train. I think. Um, Da, 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 da. Uh, Richard Smith is saying buzzed the DLR is busier than multiple tube lines and will only get busier in future years that often gets overlooked well, but Richard why are you buzzing me are you meaning in terms of overcrowding because in terms of raw numbers uh, that's not true the capacity of the DLR is quite substantially lower than the underground and then therefore there are only so many people that can actually squeeze onto it but in terms of, if you mean just in, in, in terms of relative um, percentages of overcrowding then okay that's a different point uh, we can we can lock horns on that later. B crossing is light metro a good term to use, and does it describe the DLR? Possibly, yeah. Um, uh, we'll do an episode on my new flowchart, telling everyone how they should describe uh, urban transit systems. It's it's in the works. I will do a, 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 a not a metro a hashtag not a metro two episode on that. Um, uh, when was the last? Oh, this is a good question that I can't answer. As as I was as I was wisely uh, informed uh, this morning, um, if there was a question I didn't know how to answer, my response could be, um, "I'll write to you on that chair." And so, Tom, yeah, I'll write to you on that. Tom's question was, "When was the last time there was a driver-induced accident on LU?" I'm not sure. Other people can answer that. I think. Um, 
Raphael, any operational differences between platform edge and screen doors? No, it's just a different name for the sort of the same thing, I think. Um, uh, Socorro, should RATP line one not be compared to the subsurface lines and not deep level because of cut and cover? Yeah. Yes, absolutely true. But I, I suppose the point is that it, it's, it was a conversion that had happened. You know, the, the, um, if you're, yes, it's easier to convert the subsurface lines, but the question is, is being asked, we want to convert the deep tube lines, not the subsurface lines. Uh, da, 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 Jack Elliott, do platform gap fillers solve the curved platform PTI issue? Uh, only if they're mounted to trains. Train, so so the standard triple sevens have uh, an extendable uh, gap filler that shoots out underneath the door to to, to deal with curvature. Um, but it, it definitely put it on the train, not on the platform. Because if it fails on a train, you can jimmy it back into this train and you can hold the train to the depot. If it fails on a platform, you've wiped out a platform. And if you wipe out a platform on a two on a two track metro system, you've closed the system for the day. Not good. Um, da -da 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 -da. Uh, let's see. SSR is not one line. No, it's multiple lines. Yeah, I know. Xander uh, Veach, uh, report page 17. Do you know how the risk... Xander, oh, of course you're going to ask this complicated question. Do you know how the risk uncertainty at 34% was calculated? No, I don't, actually. Um, uh, it might be in the slides that you can go back through and they talk about their assumptions that have come into, gone into that, but it might well be a, a risk build-up by the by the standard sort of uh, cost estimating, estimating processes. I don't know. I'll write to you on that one, Chair. Uh, where are we? The, my slides have just rolled upwards. Uh, 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 that's annoying. Uh, let's see. Oh, golly. Sorry, my my YouTube comments just reset, and so I've got to roll my way back up. Simon Wadsworth. Uh, where does auto-reversing trains, as for Crossrail, fit into all this? Are incremental improvements a better way to increase driver productivity? So, yeah, it's a good point. One of the one of the things that you could potentially start getting with... Um, uh, with GOA, there are potential, and they highlight this, I think, in in that presentation. One of the one of the potential benefits is that you can a train in pulling up, passengers can hop out, and it can reverse, and the driver can make their way through to the other side and then sit down while it's still moving. So, so you can actually do that process. Um, uh, so that can accelerate reversal. So that's certainly uh, true, and it's a potential way to improve drive productivity. Um, I don't know whether that can be achieved. GOA two or it needs GOA three um, uh, there, but it certainly is the case that that's a, a, a major a major potential. It is a major potential benefit, but still, uh, reversing capacity reversing isn't necessarily a limit on capacity when you've got um, the right infrastructure set up. And actually, in lots of cases on the underground, there are a few lines where it's a pressure. But actually, and again, I'm not a pro on the underground. I don't know the underground as well as I know the national network. But it's uh, throughput is is. Uh, certainly, like in mo in a lot of the tube line, in a lot of tube, the tubes cases. Uh, sorry, in a lot of the tube line, in a lot of London Underground line cases, max the throughput is is reaching the point that it's, it's at maximum now. Anyway, um, right. So, uh, Cholloway zero zero. Could more stations be decoupled Crossrail style for upgrades? Uh, that's well, as in sort of the, the people just don't go through, the, the trains go through the station without stopping type situation. I mean, yeah, sure, that's one way to do it. It's, it's commonly done now on, on on London Underground, isn't it? Richard Smith, bear in mind the business case isn't do nothing versus GOA4. Uh, it's why you do GOA4 rather than just GOA2. And uh, that's got such a weak business case as most of your benefits are from GOA2. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yes, I said that. I said that. Yeah, I did say that, Richard. Yeah, sorry. Rail focus. Um, isn't that one of the biggest myths that driverless trains or ETCS will vastly increase capacity? That's a very good point. Um, William Barter makes this point on Twitter all the time. A good example, you go to the West Coast Mainline, and indeed the East Coast Mainline in quite a few places, and the time from it going, the time from the red signal flashing up 
have, with a train's bottom having just gone past it, to that then turning back to a um, even a green, but let alone turning back to caution and then to double yellow, is not that many seconds. It's about it's not far off just raw headway um, on certainly on the West Coast Main Line. I think it's like a turnaround like seventy seconds or maybe ninety seconds or something at full speed. Like you can't do more. ETCS will not make any difference to that. ETCS can help in a few places, lower speed stuff for sure. But ETCS is not a capacity, and it's worth looking. You can look at all the. Um, so West Coast Route Modernisation did this, and I referred to that in the Transport Select Committee earlier, like this morning, that um, uh, that they promised big on what ETCS could deliver or what it was then, and then it, it, it's pulled back. And Digital Railways done the same thing. Originally, Digital Railways saying, "Oh, there's potential thirty percent capacity improvements." Then it's gone back from like to like ten percent capacity improvements. Now it's like they don't really talk about capacity improvements anymore so uh yeah there, there are benefits to be had operational benefits but uh capacity ain't the big one uh this is a purely political exercise graham you're absolutely right uh nice to have had a quick look at that business case yeah you're welcome Raphael. hopefully it's um hopefully that's uh, I, yeah i might get shouted out for putting that out but whatevs and um hopefully it's interesting you can pause the pause the present the kind of the, the youtube and, and kind of have a closer look at some of those things uh richard smith government london gets too much money we're going to spend elsewhere also government we hate tube drivers please burn this uh, dump truck full of money tfl um yeah i know right but also um also government uh we don't want to spend any money anywhere else either so uh, they're very much having their cake or they're very much not having their cake and they're not eating it um, Michael C, no doors on the Northern Line extension. Ah, okay, yeah, cool. Well, there you go. So that they built that on the on the fact that there's no other peds, so it'd be pointless. So, it's, so, but I dare say it'll have passive provision for it. They'll have built it in such a way that they're ready to be installed. Uh, yeah, Crossrail does in the core route as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Raphael Nicolaus, Northern Line extension does not a ped. Yeah, yeah, provision for it. Yeah, absolutely. Michael Woodridge, passive. Oh yeah, everyone's saying passive provision. They're lovely. Um, marvelous. Uh, no peds and only, yeah, everyone's telling me that that's good yeah yeah fine 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 uh, uncritical Simon presumably if Crossrail 2 ever happens that could be unattended GOA4 I don't think so because again it'll run out into the existing network either side so it's not possible um, 4LM is indeed to GOA2 yeah thanks Richard uh, Owen oh, the signal how does Owen oh, the signal how does any organisation ever make a business case for GOA4 if you need to retain drivers in case of reversion to driver ops? I don't know why I went Welsh there, but I felt like owing the signal. It's a bit like uh, Jones' steam there. In fact, I literally own the signal is there. That's that's owing the signal's profile picture. Nice work. Uh, how does any uh, organisation ever make a business case for GOA4 if you need to retain drivers in case of reversion to driver ops? Well, indeed. Indeed. Um, uh is there still a dead man's hand switch on GOA2 Plus? That's a good question, Gareth Williams. I don't know. Uh, oh, very good question. I don't know. The, the cleverer people than me will be able to answer that one. Uh, I'll write to you, Chair. David Shepard, do you know how much the rebuild at bank costs? Oh, golly. How many billion is it now? It's like 1.1 billion. It's some enormous volume of money. It's just an enormously expensive project that's been going. Someone, I'm sure, can comment on, on that specifically. Uh, da -da -da. Ned Carlson, how absolute is the per the ped requirement really for GA4? We're still expanding SkyTrain in Canada without them, um, on grandfather rights. But if you're building a modern system, from my point as an engineer, my perspective, I would say it's absolutely unacceptable to be building a GA4 system. I mean, for me, it's unacceptable building any new metro without peds because they, you know, suicide risk and also the risk of, of when it's busy, people falling onto platform is just absolutely. Uh, if you're building a new system, there should be PEDs on it. Partly, I'm disappointed that there aren't on, on LLE, but maybe there's a mixture of, of, of trains or there are new trains appearing. They didn't want to do it yet. I don't know. Um, da -da 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 -da. Lack of drivers in Cologne. They're looking for a solution. Yeah, sure. So uh, what else have we got? We've got 
Oh, I just reset again. Uban in Nuremberg has no PSD but GOA4 with, GOA4 with radars. Yeah, they've built a safety case around an alternative system, but I, yeah, I still, there are major benefits to PEDs, major benefits. Uh, screen doors are full height, floor to edge. Edge doors do not reach all the way to the ceiling. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks, Michael C. That's the specific. Okay, so they basically mean the same thing, but screen is top to bottom. So, uh, but doors are not full height. There we are. I think they're full human height, but they're not. Um, they're not right up to to sealing the the tunnel in. Okay, there we are. Fine. Uh, Richard Smith, thirty four percent is a standard TFL business case development manual value for risk for a project at this level of development. Bang. There we are. Simon Wadsworth, uh, yes, except reversing on the circle line uh, would not happen. Yeah, yeah, fine. Uh, Raphael, off to off topic. What is the green that green yellow book next to you on the shelf? Where? Uh, which one? This one, actually, it's two things. It's a it's a St John's Ambulance Fire Marshal reference guide, random, and then behind that is the old um, how old it is. At some point we'll have a real matter bonus episode. It's the old Know Your Traffic Signs DFT book. Uh, I can't remember why how I got hold of that, but I have it. And uh, fine, is that the one you're referring to? Yeah, um, maybe it is. I, I'm looking around. I can't see what else it could have been. That's that's green and yellow. Um, uh, da, da, da. Uh, Richard Smith says detraining is your main issue with reversing mid-route via siding you have to clear the whole train to avoid any carryovers into non-passenger areas which is staff and time in, in, in intensive yeah sure um, David Shepard I would have thought that building tunnel loops similar to the Kennington loop would be cheaper than replacing all the trains on a line with self-reversing trains yeah maybe quite well uh, not if you're replacing all those trains anyway uh, right, we're getting there, folks. We're getting there. Don't send any more questions because I'm now going to change. Once we get to the end, I'm going I'm to try and get to the end of them and then get get ahead of you all. Um, uh, but that's a high speed. Problematic bits would be low speed approaches to stations under flat junctions, right? Yeah, uh, indeed. But the challenge at some of those is actually that even their current uh, automatic route setting systems are actually pretty good at maximizing capacity. So there is a, a bit of benefit there, as 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 discussed, as as we talked about on this episode. I stopped poking my nose, um, but to get real capacity benefits, you still basically need physical infrastructure. So that's why they pulled away from those benefits. Um, there we go. Da, 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 da. Uh, Raphael, those business cases should be public domain anyway. It's a government thing, talking about spending public money. Absolutely. I'm sick of how much stuff is is behind smoke and mirrors um, uh, when it comes to railway stuff. This should, this stuff should, and I understand that that sort of thing can feel a bit threatening because it's related to jobs and stuff. But actually, if there's an open discussion, yeah, anyway. Jack Elliott, uh, they didn't do an NLE because of signaling, I believe. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, yes, okay, fine. Uh, right, here we are. We're there. St. John's Ambulance, uh, no, uh, St. John Ambulance, no posturies. Thanks, Gareth Williams. That's uh, that's the sort of correction I'd expect from you. Good stuff. Thanks to the books. Two for one. Yes, there was those. Good, marvellous. Uh, Matt Reed, do you have a copy of the Green Book? Uh, if so, where uh, do you get it from? I, I do have a Green Book, but I think it's, uh, it's the wrong Green Book. This is the Green Book, but it's my Green Book that I like, which is the work instructions for it's the, the uh, one of the original ones, I think. The original working instruction for AC electrified lines from 1967. Uh, look at this, just a thing of beauty. Oh, look at this, just, oh, look at that, marvellous. Good stuff, isn't it? At some point, if, if, if those in the Patreon ask for it, at some point we'll have a real matter where I you just shout random, you just tell me things you want to see what are in the book, because there's quite a lot of fun stuff in the I mean, that I've picked up over the last few years from kind uh, givers. Uh, Catelyn, um, None of the questions. What to say? Performance of the second movie was great. Oh, thank you so much. I particularly enjoyed the response, cost benefit analysis. The, the, the cost benefit analysis response. Oh, thanks very much indeed. Right, we've uh, we reached the end there. So let's 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 go back to my miniaturized. In fact, let's go back to to, to yeah to my miniaturized face in the top corner. What is DFT's point? Why are they doing this? 
I don't know, to be honest. It's just another stick to hit. Um, it's another stick to hit TFL with. Bearing in mind that Grant Shapps hates uh, Sadiq Khan. Um, they don't like seeing... They don't like... Uh, TFL is an example of what goes right when transport is devolved. And they don't like that. So, uh, honestly, it's just uh, ideology. Um, uh, people are asking what green book I was actually referring to. Uh, the original... Uh, the, the Treasury green book. Uh, no, I don't actually have a green book. And I don't know if it exists as a thing. I don't know. Does it? No. Uh, uh. Right, let's get rid of my face. Uh, no face. And thanks, everyone. It's the end of the episode. Uh, yeah, uh, th there's some fun teases later, so don't don't switch off quite yet. Um, thanks to everyone who's been watching. YouTube's been doing weird things and dropping the concurrent viewers, but it's jumped right back up again. Hello to all the 150 of you who are watching. That's exciting. Um, uh, available on all good podcasting platforms, which is which is cool. Uh, I, I, I'm broadly keeping on top of it. This one's gone long again. I was trying to keep this one as a short one, but we chatted a lot about the news, didn't we, anyway? It is, it is just a culture war thing. You're right, Jack Elliott. Um, so, yeah, available on all good podcasting platforms. Uh, I've just recorded another podcast that's coming out with someone else that's coming out in uh, uh, a couple of months, actually. It's quite a way away, so that's fine. Uh, Patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis to support me, to make more of this stuff happen. Um, this, If you're wondering, if you have a nine-to-five job, why, do, why are you on Patreon? Well, it's because it kind of just... I dedicate quite a bit of time to this stuff, and it's because I care and I love you lot. But also, this the Patreon stuff just helps me... It helps, helps de-stress a little bit. And it feels like a little bit of a supporting justification. It also allows me to pay for bits and pieces. You know, you have like kit and... Actually, less kit now, because I think I've pretty much got all the kit I need for a long time. But certainly, it allows me to... Um, it, it kind of pays a bit of my time, if you like. Uh, pays for train tickets if I'm going to do a shenanigan of some kind. So, yeah. So, your support on Patreon is really, really welcome. And it does allow me to do more of this this nonsense that we are we are currently all experiencing simultaneously. It's a shared fever dream. Uh, merch from Masquette. Uh, exciting stuff on that front. I'll come back to me on that. But you can get you can just search Rail Matter merchandise, and I think it comes up. PayPal.me slash Gareth Dennis to throw loose change vigorous at, vigorously at me, um, often accompanied by um, uh, abuse. Uh, and garethdennis.co.uk slash Discord for the Discord server, where the Discord things happen. It's like the chat, but it's perpetual, and there are many more of them, and they all happen at once, relentlessly. Um, shout out to everyone in the Discord who was discussing the chaos um, earlier. It was good fun. Um, Yes, so, oh, uh, Raphael was impressed with the temple in which I tackled those questions. Yeah, yeah I know, it's like, yeah. Um, David Shepard says that he uh, thinks that, uh, David Shepard thinks that driverless trains is there to make drivers think that giving up their pensions is a better option than losing their jobs. I have a sneaking suspicion that you are absolutely on the money there. Um, Matt Reed is asking if I have to declare Patreon income to the tax person. Yes, I absolutely do. I have to put it on my self-assessment. It's all taxable. So 20% of what you give me disappears to the to the tax person. But rightly so. It's good. Paying taxes is good. That's fine. It is an income. And uh, therefore, I, it's not a gift. The PayPal stuff doesn't because it's a gift. But uh, although I actually, I think I do declare it because I, I kind of count it as, as sort of like supplementary income as well. But anyway, uh, patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis to, 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 to help pay my taxes. <laughs> to help increase me pay the amount of tax. No, help increase the amount of tax that I pay. Um, and, and I suppose decrease the amount you pay. Uh, no, that's not true. That's not how that works. Anyway, I'm, I'm waffling now. The reason I'm waffling is because I wanted to stall you all to say the new mug is here or soon to be here. I don't know whether it's on the website yet, but it will be very soon. We definitely need to abolish the treasury. The new rail natter mug. It's here, everyone. It's very exciting. I'm quite pleased about that. So, uh, yeah, you can go and, um, and buy that mug and have that mug. And another piece of exciting news for everyone who came to the last live recording with a live real people audience. Um, we're going to be doing another one of these in, I think, May... 
I haven't entirely. I'm going to do a bit of a, a shout through the the Patreon section of the Discord server. Um, uh, Sakura is saying, "Do all patrons actually just sponsor the treasury?" No. Um, twenty twenty percent sounds like a very low rate. Uh, yeah, well, it gets calculated by my. I'm I'm not. I don't earn. I don't earn that. I'm still not at the point where I'd be earning it as forty percent yet. So uh, don't worry. Like anyway, I don't calculate the percentage. I I just put the amount that I've earned that is taxable, uh, and then uh, and then. The HMRC car. Don't don't make me think about self assessment. Come on, you're going to cause me stress and pain and anxiety. Um. Uh, Simon Wadsworth, your link did appear. Yes. Um. Uh. Yes. Uh, more tax should equal more public transport. Absolutely. Um. Which is good for quality of life. Absolutely, Kate. So uh, it's going to be another live one. Uh, this time there's going to be larger numbers. Uh, I'm going to book it. Um. And now that co- hopefully COVID won't do a number on us again, and hopefully everything will be a bit more safe. Um, and we can have bigger numbers. So I'm hoping to get a venue that'll do about 50. Do we think that's crazy? Do we think that's um, do we think that's completely impossible? I don't know. But um, it's going to be a live one. I'm looking forward to inviting you all there. All of you are welcome, even if you came to the previous one. Um, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. I don't know what the subject's going to be. I don't I don't know anything about it. I don't know the exact date yet. Um, I'm going to finalise that based a little bit on what people in the Patreon suggest. So if, if there's like a certain number of you who suggest a certain time that you reckon. But I'll, I'll suggest a few weekends. Anywho, that's uh, that's in May. Uh, the next, there'll be another one after. I, I'm hoping to do one more live episode before the end of the year, which will be in Cardiff. You heard it here first, folks. But next week, talking of how we fix public transport, uh, next week, episode 105, we have John Stone joining us to explain why the UK must decentralise power to make public transport better. It's as simple as that. That's what the episode is. I've got a picture of West, the Houses of Parliament there. I was in them this morning. It was quite fun. But we need to take more power away from the Houses of Parliament and give it to uh, local and regional people. So that is next week. Folks, uh, oh, that was, a, that was, a, that was a, a cork of an episode. Fairly fairly quick fire. I'm going to go and collapse. Um... Uh, I'm going to go and yeah collapse and do some heavy breathing uh, and also probably have a shower. Uh, but it's uh, thanks for joining. Uh, yes, Alistair, you've joined a bit. It's it's fine. You can catch up later. Anyone who's just joined, you can catch up later. I've just talked about driverless tube trains. I've I'm going to now leave you all in peace and quiet. Stop waffling and wave vigorously. Um, ah, it's your it's it's Kate. Kate, you're going to join us on a rail night coming up soon. Don't don't you worry. Anyway, right, I'm going to wave vigorously, go and collapse uh, in a in a heap. And uh, thanks for all your nice comments about the TSC this morning. And uh, tomorrow's going to be an interesting day. Mm. Cheerio! (laughs) Cheerio, cheerio, cheerio. Cheerio. Cheerio.